Um, but let me clear that up. It's Thursday. That's number one. There's people running around that you've never seen before who call themselves freshmen. We'll get to that in a second. And there's some oddly tanned guy with a Gatorade-looking shirt on talking at you. Well, this is the point. And if you're here for the first time, I want to welcome you. And I want to invite you to come back every Thursday. We're here at 7 o'clock. Come early. Get to know people. Um, but I think the best way to start tonight off for the first time is to get to know our new friends. So if you're a freshman, will you raise your hand? All right. Now, I can see that the freshmen have flocked to this side, so that would make you guys the seniors and juniors and such, correct? All right. Is Grant Godby here? Grant, stand on up. I think we need to play a little game to get started. We need to get to know some of these freshmen. Grant's a good friend of mine. How you doing, Grant? You doing good? Yes. Would you like to say hi to everyone? Grant, do you have a girlfriend? No, I do not. Are you lying? No. Well, let's help him out. Could you guys throw up Grant's Facebook for me? What is this? All right, buddy. We need to just take a look at this. That's mine. There's Grant. Okay. Can you explain the Rusty? What's going on there? Uh, Brett Moore. Brett Moore, okay. That's his nickname for me. Okay, that's a big old Hershey bar. Where are you at in that picture? I am in Times Square. Times Square, nice. Like like uh, can we scroll down and see some information about Grant? Uh-oh. Grant's starting to sweat, I'll tell you that right now. Uh, you're a violent ginger. <laughs> I, did, I didn't put that, I did not put that there. That's I weird. I don't really even know what that means. I have siblings. Care to explain? Um, no. No, nothing to say for that one. Uh, you're interested in women, that's great, you're single. And you're a male. So, ladies, this is Grant. Give him a hand if you see him after. Talk to him. Excuse me, guys. All right, we got a few more people. Cameron Motes, where are you at? Oh, he's right next to him. I'm coming. I'm coming. Cameron, I don't know you, but I like you. How are you tonight? I'm doing good. You excited to be here? Yes. Is this your first night at the point? Yeah. You excited to go into high school? Yeah. Yeah, you see some people in here look like you can be friends with? Some. You got a lot of Facebook friends? Yeah. Well, let's throw up his Facebook and see what we can do for him. Cameron, can you explain to me exactly what is going on in that picture? You know, I don't really know. What are you looking at? I would love to know what you're looking at. I was actually looking at a laptop screen. We were all playing around, and yeah. What's on the laptop screen? Nothing. Well, can we scroll down and see some of the stuff Grant or uh, Cameron likes? All right. Uh, we don't want to log in. I see your phone number's there, so anybody needs to get a hold of him. Yeah. He's up late. Uh, I see in there, SpongeBob taught you how to spell. Care to tell me more about that? The campfire song. Do you know the campfire song? Yeah. Well, go ahead and sing the campfire song for us. C A M P F I R E S O N G song. C A M P F I R E S O N G song. It'll help if you just sing along. Boom, boom, boom. And then repeats. Heather, worship team. Thank you, Cameron. Cody Keating. Where's Cody? You all stayed in one little spot that made it easy for me. Excuse me. Cody, how you doing? Good. Now, you're thinking right now, what is on my Facebook page, aren't you? Yeah. Well, you're, you, can we check it out and see? Sure. Sure. Look at that. Explain those sunglasses to me. Well, they all got it for me. They Who's all, they? These people. They got you those sunglasses? Yeah. Is it like punishment or did you lose a bet? <laughs> no. No? 
As a gift. Is that an iPhone in your hand? Yeah, it's my mom's. Nice. <laughs> yeah, ladies, that's right. He may have texted some of you on his mother's iPhone. Can we scroll down and see some stuff about my buddy Cody here? No, I don't. Keep going. And you like a lot of movies. Yeah. All right, here we go. Okay, you want to read that paragraph for us? Because I, I won't do it justice. Go ahead and read that. You can hold the mic and read it out. Read it nice and loud. I am 14 years old, and I'm, I know I lied about my age on Facebook, but I'm the man you want to talk to about your problems. <laughs> no joke. I'm, some of you may think I'm joking, but this... Oh, about this, but I'm serious when it comes to your problems. <laughs> so anytime you have a problem, send me a message and we'll talk. That is, you know, that is so sweet of you. Give it up for Cody. All right, I think, I think we have one more Facebook. You can go to it. Oh, yeah, that's me. Oh, yeah. That beautiful girl right there next to me is my girlfriend, Lauren. Guys, some of you know Lauren, yeah, she's great. Um, guys, when you're looking for a girlfriend, fiance, spouse, this is what you're looking for. Godly and beautiful. Lucky dude. Uh, you can scroll down. I don't have much information about me, I don't think. Uh, activities, driving a van. True story, used to own a minivan. A white Dodge Grand Caravan. I'm from Ohio, so it rusted out on the bottom. People love the custom rust. Don't let them tell you they don't. It's awesome. Uh, I went to Indiana Wesley, and that's basically it. You know, I edited mine before anybody got a hold of it. That's actually my dad on the side. Hey, Dad. Um, but now I need to see the hands of the freshmen one more time. Raise them nice and high. Okay, I'm going to need some volunteers. Let's go. You, come on up here. You in the hat, and you right here in the front. Your name is Justin. I met you earlier. And, Jacob, we're going to need these three chairs right here, if you can grab those for me. And we're going to play a game. Come on up here on stage. All right, I got two hats. That's going to throw me off. All right. Now, for this game, you're going to have to wear a blindfold. So if you wear contacts, go ahead and take them out. I'm just kidding, but seriously. All right, go ahead and have a seat. And double this over long ways and tie it around your eyes as if it were a blindfold. You two. You two. All right? If you know where we're going with this, shh, don't ruin it for me. All right, does anybody know what these are? What are these? Good, you didn't all answer. That worries me a little bit, but all right. You guys having trouble with those? Do you know how to tie a knot? No? All right, basically, this game has no name, so we'll call it Bananas. I think that makes sense. Tie those on nice and tight. We have three contestants here. Each one will be given three bananas. I will say go and they will have to peel them and eat them as fast as they can. As fast as they can. I mean, stuff their face with them. And the winner gets a prize. So hold out your hands. There's your three. You got three. Don't touch them. Don't open them yet. Three. Three. All right. Now, when I say go, when I say go, you got to start peeling. Peel the banana. Eat the banana, okay? Let's count with me. Ready? Here we go. One, two, three, go. 
Keep going. You're in first. You're in first. Keep it. Cheer him on. Cheer him on. Eat faster. 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 Keep going. You're winning. You're winning. Keep going. Cheer him on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go, go. Woo! Cheer him on. You're winning. You got to eat faster, though. They're beating you. They're catching up. Eat, eat, eat. Keep going. And he's got, you got, you got how many more? One more? Keep eating. You're winning. Let's hear it for him. Yeah, go, go, go. Keep going. Try to get that one down. You got to swallow the whole thing. You got to swallow the whole thing. Come on. Keep going. Go, 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 go. Don't throw it up. That's disgusting. Shut your mouth. Take off your blindfold, you're the winner. All right, give him a hand. Woo! Here's your prize, man. Bananas in a blindfold. Have a nice night. Keep it. All right, y'all, check out this video. This is my first attempt at a eHarmony video. I'm nervous, but I'm excited at the same time. So I'm just gonna start talking about what I like. I love cats. I love every kind of cat. I just wanna hug all of them, but I can't get out every cat. Get out every cat. So anyway, I am a cat lover and I love to run. I'm sorry I'm thinking about cats again. I really love cats. I'm thinking about cats again and again and again and again and again. I think about how many don't have a home and how I should have them. I think about how cute they are and how their ears and the whiskers and the I love cats, I love every kind of cat I just wanna hug all of them But I can't get out every cat Get out every cat So anyway, I am a cat lover And I love to run I'm sorry I'm thinking about cats Again, I really love cats But I get out every cat now you can songify your life with our new app, Songify. Now you can songify your life with our new app, Songify. I just talked into my phone and now it's a song. We're living in the future. Download link below. Original video here. They watch us songify our life. Your stuff, karaoke track. If you want to see more, then subscribe. You like to go to the club on the weekend. I like to skip the games and start freaking. Shmo-yo-ho. Yeah, a little, little ad there for those of you who have an iPhone. Hey, don't leave these on the stage. Have you ever seen a cartoon? That could kill me. So, she loves cats a little bit. Agreed? Yeah, that is actually, well, it's auto-tune, which they're auto-tuning everything today. I feel like, you know, 
any message you ever hear would be twice as good if you could auto-tune it automatically. We're, we're in the middle of figuring that out, me and the tech team, so maybe next week. Not really, but seriously. Uh, but that's an eHarmony commercial. You guys know what eHarmony is? It's a dating website. You pay some money. They put you on a list you know, with other people, and you can shop for each other and stuff like that. eHarmony. But that's a real uh, ad that she put on her page and that she loves cats like that. And I sit and I think, what drives a person to do that? I mean, besides a love for, hey, my name's up there, besides a love for cats. And I, I did, looked into eHarmony, I thought, you know, I wonder if there's a lot of other people like this. Did you know that 5% of marriages in America are a result of eHarmony? 100,000 marriages a year in the United States alone. So people are doing this. They're loving cats. You know, I doubt she is one of that 5%, but maybe. <laughs> so... Some of you ask yourself, I would never do that. I, I could never put myself on an eHarmony website. I mean, I tried it. It didn't work out too well. Uh, I'm scared. And so, but let me tell you this right now. Those of you, raise your hand if you think you would never do that, never be able to go on eHarmony. And keep your hand up if you guys have a Facebook. Mm -hmm. Facebook is a free version. eHarmony is just more honest. You know what you're looking for on there. Facebook is like the teen light-up version of eHarmony. And how many of you remember the first day you had Facebook? Yeah, some of you can remember that glorious day. It's been years now. But uh, I remember the first day I had Facebook, and I remember why I got Facebook. This is a true story, and let's just have a little bit of locker room talk right now. What's said here stays here. I don't need Lauren knowing about this. But I got Facebook because of a girl. Yeah, okay, cheer if you want to. I mean, Yeah! So I was a freshman in college, and Facebook had, you know, just been out a little bit, and people were getting excited about it. I hadn't heard of it yet, but I'm on campus, like any freshman guy, and I had two things on my mind, and that was, you know, to play Halo and to meet a girl. <laughs> what else was there to do? Academics? Sure, I got four years to learn that stuff. So I see this girl walking across campus, and I'm like, I don't know who that is, but I would like to. And so she, I see her, you know, she's in the soccer gear. She played soccer for our school. And I had a friend who played soccer on the guys' team. And they hung out a little bit, you know, because they practiced together. So I was like, Ben, who is that girl? She said, I don't know, but I'll find out. And I'm like, yes, please do. Do your spy work. Find out. Because, you know, in high school and middle school, you don't talk to each other. Like, you send texts and Facebooks and notes and through friends. It doesn't change in college. You're just older. It's in different scenery. And it's like a sleepover every night with your friends. But it doesn't change. So I wanted to know her. He comes back after dinner, and he says her name's Kate. And I'm like, Kate, that's a start. And nowadays, that's all you need. You know her name's Kate. You can know where her family lives. You can see pictures of her last vacation, if she loves cats. You can know when she was born. If you're Moats, you know her telephone number. So you can have it all you wanted. Back then, all I had was Kate. But you know it's a small campus. I'd figure it out. So Ben does a little more investigating, a little more, finds out she's a soccer player. She's a nursing major. She loves photography. She loves Jack Johnson. And I'm like, I can love all these things. Like, that's easy. And then I find out that she's heavy into Facebook. I'm like, that sounds weird. I've never heard of this Facebook, but I think I want it. How do I get this Facebook? What does it cost me? And I find out, you know, it's a social networking site. I'm like, does all the work for me? Perfect. So I create one that night. And I have all my post-it notes. I wait till everybody goes to bed. I'm sitting at my desk in my dorm room. And it's dark. And just my light from my computer. And I got post-it notes all over where my desk is, facts about Kate. This is the weirdest thing you've ever heard. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's true. And a lot of you are calling me weird, but you do the exact same thing. So don't get on me about it. So I see all these post-it notes, and I'm like, okay, my interest, creating my profile. I'm like, 
Okay, Kate likes photography and Jack Johnson. Me too. Yep, me too. Me too. I like that. I love girls' soccer. Nope, I love boys' soccer. You know? And so I create the perfect profile. And I'm, I'm into it, and I'm like, create. And now it's time. I wait. Didn't know what to do after that. Didn't know how Facebook worked. So I wait. A day goes by. Two days go by. Nothing happened. I have zero friends. Starting to hurt my feelings. I hate this Facebook. It's like, like feeling smasher is what it should have been called. So uh, eventually, she's walking out in the lawn. And not knowing how Facebook works, I say, Kate, right? And she's like, yeah. I was like, I saw you on, on the Facebook. It doesn't get much creepier than that. Nope. And she's like, oh, neat, yeah, I love Facebook. And I realized I did something wrong, because I'm like, she shouldn't respond like this. I go into panic mode, I'm like, oh, maybe it was something else. Maybe it wasn't you. Your name's Kate, right? She's like, yeah, and then I just, I just want to hit the abort button and get out of there. So luckily I see a friend, I'm like, yeah, I'll catch you later, and I catch up with my friend. Anyway, let's fast forward a month uh, from that. I land a date with her, not via Facebook, but we become Facebook friends, I get to know more. We go on this date, we're sitting at a coffee shop, true story, guess who comes on the radio? Jack Johnson. She asked me, what's your favorite Jack Johnson song? I hadn't heard of him until I met, met Kate. And so I'm like, uh, you know, it's hard, that's a hard question because I have no idea who he is because I like them all so much, you know, that easy answer. And she's like, no, if you just had to, you know, pick the one that you listen to the most. And I'm like, I think the third one's pretty good hoping that he had a new CD that came out. And then she, she's starting to unravel me in this, this whole lie. And she's like, so like, who's your favorite photographer? Because she had done my, checked my Facebook too. And I'm like, uh, you know, I don't really look at pictures. I just take them. And I love photography that way. And so, you know, Kate is starting to unravel me. I don't know what to say next. I'm like, don't ask me about my soccer love and, and all this other stuff because you'll win. I'll just surrender. And I have zero pictures. I'm already embarrassed about that. She's like, how many friends do you have? I have like 1,100. Mm, one. You. <laughs> and so what took me like hours of perfect planning and crafting of a profile and post-it notes and, and looking over my shoulder to see if my roommate was awake to see what I was doing because I was completely embarrassed, what took me hours to craft got unraveled in a matter of minutes. She looked at me across the table, and she sized me up and said, this does not amount to this. What's going on? And that's my problem with Facebook. We can spend so much time selecting a la carte style what we want us, ourselves to portray and what we don't want, keeping the good in what we like and, and illuminating that and saying, hey, look at this, all the while it allows us to hide in, in, in our corner and in our, our room in the dark and say, yeah, but this is what you're not allowed to see. This is what I hope doesn't get exposed. And so tonight we're going to talk about identity, and we're going to talk about, you know, God's role in exposing what is in the darkness and the light, and not being embarrassed to submit it to Him. And so how do we, how do we begin in this process to identify whether we have an identity crisis or not? Well, a quick way to do it is if some of you feel discontent all the time, or you look on your news feed and you see things that other people have or things that other people are doing, and there's a discontentment, an uneasiness that rises up inside of you, or there's this thirst when you come into worship that you simply can't quench. While everybody else has their arms raised in worship and the, the music is going and you can sense the presence of God, but you're having trouble connecting with it, you can identify it as an identity crisis. 
And so tonight we're going to talk a little bit about what to do. And there's two things you can do initially when you realize it. The first one is you can give in and you can submit to what the world says about you to be true. And you can continue to craft and customize your own life in the way that you want it to look. And you can continue to hide in the darkness the things that God despises. With the reverse, you can submit it to God. And you can tell God, God, you created me in your image. What do you desire me to do? And we get caught up in the question of, God, who am I? What do you desire me to be? But maybe the real question is, God, what do you desire me to do? What are you asking of me? What can I say yes to? Because the path to identity is obedience. So if you've got a pen and paper, write that down. The path to identity is obedience. So how do we establish an identity through this process of obedience? Well, our outward signs and our outward actions tell us something of what is going on inside of us. And so if we are constantly living in sin, if we are constantly acting out like a sinner, chances are deep down there's something that needs fixed or adjusted inwardly. It's like throwing a rock in a pond. Have you guys ever thrown a rock in a pond? Anybody? If you haven't, go. When we leave here, go do it. Go find a pond. You'll never do anything more fun in your whole life, I promise, except everything. But something happens when you throw a rock in a pond. If you've never done it, I'll tell you what it is. You stand on the dock. You take your rock. I rhymed. You chuck it as far as you can, and the rock will boom in the pond, and there'll be a little splash. But what takes place after there is a good representation of what happens when our will and our sinful desires reach the surface of our being. The rock will hit the water and create a little wake that will begin to go towards the shore. And what happens is it leaves the splash area. It gets bigger and bigger and goes further out and grows. That by the time it hits the shore, it's a little bitty wave that you've created from one little rock. Sin can do the exact same thing. Evil desires and evil will in our hearts can do the exact same thing. The book of James says that sin is conceived when our desires meet our temptation. And they conceive and give birth to sin and sin to death. So keeping our actions from being one of false identity or fractional identity doesn't start with changing what we do. It starts with changing who we are, changing where we stand in Christ. We're going to look at three different kinds of identity tonight. We're going to look at a character from the Old Testament, a character from the New Testament, and ourselves. Pretty easy, pretty basic. Um, But before we get there, uh, I want to set this up a little bit and talk about things that stand between us and God because the things that, that most stand between us and God is usually us. And if you follow me, that means that um, the problem with our obedience to God is that we stand in the way. And we want to fight for control. And we want to say, God, you know what? I, I, I want to control myself to do good things. I want control to do good things. But when really what God is asking you to do is give up control. Give it to him. Because you can fight and you can fight on your own to do good things and have control of what you do all you want. But until you submit it to God, it's going to be a battle. I had a friend in high school. <laughs> I grew up on a farm in Ohio. I hope that doesn't make you like me less, but I'm from the north. So I'll have to say things like pop and, and stuff like that. A couple northerners. That's great. That's great. Uh, but I had a friend. Uh, I lived on a farm. He lived on a farm. One day I spent, I spent the night at his house, and, and uh, we woke up the next day. And before breakfast and before we went to baseball practice, we had to go feed the calves for his parents. Something that, if you know anything about farming, you would hate. Because you've got to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. I don't know why they want to eat that early. I don't know about you guys, but I'm not hungry till like noon. And if I, don't w- if I wake up before noon, I'm not happy. So you got to get up 
at the crack of dawn, you got to walk out in the freezing cold, and you got to clean out their little stable where they stay before you feed them because they do things there that you wouldn't do where you live. I'm just saying, it's nasty. So you got to feed these cows. So we go out there in the morning, and he's just moaning and groaning. I'm okay because it's not my family, so I'm like, yeah, I'll help you out, whatever. So we get out there to feed them, and one of the cows had gotten out and gotten away. So he's just all mad, and everything's just wrong, and he's grumbling, and I'm just starting to do my job. Well, he goes out, and he gets the cow and brings it back. But as soon as he does, before he can close the gate, it turns around and just, just walks on out, just nice and slow, didn't try to get away fast, just walked on out. And he looked at it, and he said, that cow got out of the fence, didn't it? And I'm trying not to laugh. I'm like, yeah, man, that sucks, <laughs> you know, thinking he's going to lose it. Picks up a dirt clod. You guys know what a dirt clod is, a little dirt and mud that forms you can crush it. Picks one up. This is a true story, by the way. I would not make this up, could not make this up. Chucks it at the cow, hits it right in the head, cow drops over. He panics, I panic. It was a rock covered in dirt. It was not a dirt clod, I promise. Cow falls over, and we just stand there and stare at it. I was like, dude, if its chest stops moving, you're dead. You are dead. Because this was a dairy cow, it was expensive. His dad was kind of angry man anyway. I was scared of him, he's a big man. He's like, it was a rock cow, get up, get up. It was just a rock, I'm sorry. He's like apologizing his cow, cheering it on. He's like, you know, let's pick it up. Like, it's a cow, dude. I, don't, I mean, I don't know who you think I am, but I'm little, I'm a little guy. I'm a shortstop. And so we get like under this cow and we kind of move it and stuff like that, it's going nowhere. And then surely enough, and this is a sad story, slowly the chest stops. And I just go, see you, buddy. And I took off, <laughs> ran back to the house, called my parents. I'm like, if I can get out of here before his dad finds out, I'm good to go. Sorry, friend. So we run out of there. His dad comes out, gives him this life lesson on obedience and on control and being able to control himself and all of these things. And Tyler learned a lot that day, but I lost him as a friend. Sorry, Tyler. It was worth it. We're talking about, which leads me to my first point, three kinds of identity. Uh, the first kind we're going to talk tonight about is fractional identity. Say that with me, fractional identity, even you freshmen, fractional identity, perfect. So you math majors in here, you'll get this right away. I promise we won't do math. Fractional identity. And what that is, what that means is this is, if you come here tonight and, and this is the person who believes in God, who trusts that they have an identity in God, and they don't doubt that, but they've been convinced by everybody else and by culture around them that there is a limit to what they can do. That I'm a, I'm a good person, you know, I, I like who I am, my friends like me, but I know that I'll never be as good as him, or I'll never be quite as popular as her, or I'll never be able to do that. Or I'm going to major in this and study this because I can't do that. Or I won't play that sport. Whatever it however it looks practically, you believe deep down inside of you that there's a cap of something that you can't achieve. And I want to tell you that is a lie. That yes, there are things that physically we are restricted from. I can't pick up my car. I know that. I'm not going to try. But I want to talk about a man named Gideon. And Gideon was uh, with the Israelites and they were you know, in a time where the Midianites were destroying their crops and they were living in sin and, and they were under oppression from the Midianites. Well, one day, angel wakes Gideon up. And that statue out there is Gideon, although you, all of you who didn't know that. And this is his story. Angel wakes him up and says, Gideon, 
You know, the Lord has chosen you to defeat the Midianites. And this is foreign to Gideon because he was from the, the weakest, littlest, wimpiest clan and the weakest, wimpiest little one in that group. He was not the person you would expect God to pick. So Gideon asks questions and he's like, God, I, I see my cap here. I see what people have told me I, who I am and what I can do. And God, I can't exceed that. And God simply says, yes, you can. And so he tests God a little bit, and he takes some wool, and he places it outside his tent, and he says, God, in the morning, let there be dew on this wool, but let the grass be dry. So he wakes up, and it is so. He rings it, I route a whole bucket, and the grass is dry. And he says, God, don't be mad at me. Don't be mad at me. It's just that everybody in life has told me, hey, you're a weakling. You can't do this. He said, but I, I, need, I need to test you again. I need to, need to ask for you to prove this a little further. And he puts it out there again, and he says, this time, let the wool be dry and let the grass be wet. And so he comes out the next morning and it's so, the wool's dry and the grass is wet under his feet. And so Gideon goes and he gets um, some men together and they go and they overhear um, the people, the Midianites in their camp talking about one had a dream that a big loaf of bread destroyed him. Like I have those dreams too. I'm usually a hamburger eating people and like pickles my tongue, you know. I think it's a funny dream, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> But he hears about this dream and he knows that God has given them over to their hand. And so Gideon had to put a cap, a limit on himself that he didn't, didn't think he could exceed because everybody around him said, no, 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 this is who you are. And so he fractionalized his identity. He took what God designed him to be and he, he boiled it down to, to terms that he could deal with and he could understand. That's not faith, that's fear. In 2 Timothy, God says, that we were not given a spirit of fear or timidity, but one of power and of love and of self-discipline. And so fractional identity comes from the people around us who are telling us who we are. But that's not for them to decide. That will never, ever be for them to decide. That is for God to decide. God has chosen who you are. And if you allow him, he will show you that. The second identity is false identity. Say that, that's easier. False identity. One, two, three, false identity. All right, nice. You guys are great. And what false identity is, is an identity simply that. It's not true. It's not, it's not you're, you're not who you're portraying to be. And uh, about a month ago, I practiced false identity, kind of on accident, but it was kind of a big deal in the end. I'll tell you about it. I got a friend. He'll remain. We'll call him Mike. And Mike had pulled a prank on me the night before. And I've been known to be a little bit of a prankster, you know, so he should have known he had it coming. Well, Mike left his phone on the table while he was doing something in his house. And then we were hanging out. I get in his phone. I look up my name. And I know that Mike had just had about two-month kind of relationship with this girl named Nicole. And so I'm like, you know what, Mike? It's time I get even with you. And so I took my name out of his phone, and I put Nicole as my name. You see where this is going? <laughs> Great idea. So we're hanging out. Me, Mike, I should have picked another name because the other guy we're hanging out with actually called Mike. So me and the Mikes, we're hanging out. And I text him, you know, under the table. I'm like, hey, Mike, what are you doing tonight? And he gets it. He's like, dudes, you're not going to believe this. Nicole just texted me. I haven't heard from her in two weeks. And it's, it's her birthday. It's weird she texts me. I'm like, seriously, man? That's awesome. Hey, you think you guys are going to date or what? You should send her that kind of text. Pour your heart out. Tell her how you feel. And so he's like, you know, he's like, yeah, 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 I'll play it cool. And he's like, nothing, what are you doing? You know, and what he's telling us isn't what he's texting, but I'm checking it the whole time. And so two hours pass by, 
I'm in over my head. I have it to the point where he is so excited that something with him and Nicole is starting back up. And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. So I'm at the place where I can do one of two things. I can fess up, I can take it like a man, and I can get out of it, and maybe we can still be friends. Or I can try to coward my way out and find a a spot that's easier to jump off the train and just say, you know, Mike, we were good friends, but I understand if you don't want to talk to me again. Which one do you think I picked? Of course, the second one. Nobody would pick the first one. That's hard to do. And so it kept going and going and going and going and going and going and going. One thing led to another. I don't know what I was thinking, but we were supposed to meet at a coffee shop. It's how it ended. It's 8 o'clock at night. We've been texting all day long. I have pages and pages of these texts. And I, I pull my other friend Mike aside. I'm like, guess what I did? He's like, well, I was like, just guess. I don't know. I said, Nicole, me, switch my number. And he was like, you're dead. <laughs> you are dead. I said, you are in over your head now, buddy. And so I'm like, okay, I'll have me at the coffee shop. Won't show up. He'll be a little heartbroken. He'll never find out. He's like, yeah, what if he texts the real Nicole or Caesar? Then it's her problem. I'm sorry. I'm out. So they're supposed to meet at nine. Mike, number one, leaves. I'm like, man, you know what? I, I got I to gotta go there. I got to tell him it's us. So we walk in, and he's like, hey, guys, you know, you know, Nicole's supposed to meet. What are you guys doing here? I'm like, Paul, Paul, oops. <laughs> Mike, Mike, buddy, <laughs> oops. Shoot. Uh, I was doing so good. I was like, Mike, I'm Nicole. He's like, no, you're really not. You're, you're really not. I'm like, no, I am. Check the number. It's a 419 area code. She's from Georgia. I'm from Ohio. And his face, he looks at his phone, and it just goes white. And he looks at me and goes, I'm not mad. No, I'm mad. I'm mad. And so I actually took pictures of all the texts and saved them you know, so I could have it over him, but he made me delete him. We're still kind of friends today. I talked to him, you know, a couple weeks ago, but, but basically, you know, where I went wrong besides putting my number in his phone is Nicole. Don't do that to your friends. But where I went wrong is that moment where I could, I could fess up, be a man, or ride it out and wait for some miracle to happen that got me out of it. That will never happen, by the way. But this brings us to Paul in the New Testament. Paul who was an apostle of Jesus, but he wasn't always. He was first named Saul, and he was persecuted Christians, people that followed Jesus. And he would kill them, and he would, you know, he'd go get them, murder them for their faith and all that. He was a bad, bad dude. And then one day he's going from Jerusalem to Damascus, and Jesus meets him in a bright light and stops him in his tracks. He loses vision for three days. I don't know about you. If I lost vision for three days, I would panic. I'd sell my Wii because I couldn't play it, and I'd want to get as much money for it as I could, but I would panic. And so he loses his vision. And so you have Saul who persecutes Christians, encounters Jesus, and becomes Paul, who later would go as an apostle of Jesus Christ and spread the word to many nations, go on many missionary journeys. And this book here, with all these letters in it to different churches, he's the guy that wrote them. The very same guy who earlier was killing people who believed this stuff was now writing it. And the problem with false identity is it is so easy to get lost in it. Not only is it easy to get lost in it, it's easy to write a false identity. Not R-I-G-H-T-W-R-I-T-E. Yeah, to write it. To create who we want to be. 
And who you want to be is who God wants you to be. You just may not know that right now. But some of you tonight see false identity and immediately resonated with it and said, that's me. That's me. You know, I come to prayer and I, and I pray with people and I say all the right words and I know exactly what to say, but I go home and I'm not that same person. Some friends, you know, my point friends at school, I'm one way, and my, my other friends at school, I'm another way. You know, I, I'm who people like, at least who you think they like. And in that false identity, we find sin itself. This is birthed out of culture and out of what people think we are and what we listen about people and this is birthed out of sin. It simply is. So if you're at this place tonight, I, I can honestly tell you, you cannot live here for long. The book of James is clear about it, that desire and temptation conceive give birth to sin. And you know what it says? Sin gives birth to death. Death. So there's no life there. So I want to remind you that the path to, the, to identity is obedience. And the path out of false identity is obedience. And this leads us to our third and final identity, which is foundational identity. Go ahead and say it a few times. Uh -huh, not so good if I don't prompt you, are you? Foundational identity. If I spelled anything wrong, uh, we'll hit spell check later. Foundational identity. What is foundational identity? Good question. Thank you for asking me. Foundational identity is a starting place. It is a place where we say, uh, not happy with this anymore. Not happy with this anymore. That we feel the conviction of these two, and we want a place where we can start to be the person that God has designed us to be. It's that place where we recognize in our souls that we are created in God's image. And in being created in God's image, God has an identity and a life for us. And we are to embrace that. And true life begins there. And I call it foundational because it is a starting place, a submission and realizing that we are made in God's image. Moses asked God, if you remember this story, you know, he's talking to God and he's going to go back to his people and he says, who should I say you are? And God says, I am who I say I am. And that to me is like, it should be in a movie to where there's some tough guy with a shirt off and tattoos and scars and he says, I am who I say I am. And I love that because it is so final, it is so matter-of-fact, it is so true, it is so right that God is who he says he is. And beyond that, you are who God says you are. You are who God says you are. You belong to him. You do not belong to yourself. You do not belong to your parents or your friends. You belong to God, and you were bought with a price. We are created in the image of God. So the more we know God, the better we know ourselves. And I want to turn to John chapter 8, verse 54. Some Jews were getting on Jesus, and they were uh, accusing him of saying, I'm greater than Abraham, and that's a big deal. And so they were all upraged about it, and <clears throat> you know, they were calling Jesus out and, and saying that he was demon-possessed, and Jesus says this. Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. Jesus responds to them by saying, I am. He goes on in that chapter and says, 
I am. And that's birthed out of full confidence in being the son of God, being one with God. We are created in God's image. And therefore, nearness becomes likeness. The closer we draw to him, the more like him we become. And so, if you're struggling in these two places right here, and if you recognize your, yourself at this place or this place tonight, and you want to get to this place, I've, I've got the answer for you. Nearness. Because nearness becomes likeness. Obedience is the path to identity. And so you don't have to wonder anymore. You don't have to guess. You don't have to come into worship, and you don't have to sit there wishing there was something inside of you, some nobility that just made you lift your hands at the thought of God's presence, but you can be in God's presence. You can experience it, and you can taste it. And I promise you'll never want to go back. This is way more fulfilling. So once you find foundational identity, you keep it by keeping your focus on the one thing in this world that will stay consistent. Nights that you gather for worship will change. People who lead you will change. People, your friends, will change. Your environment around you, it'll change. What you want to do with your life, it'll change. What you like to do with life will change. All these things will change, but one thing will never change. That's Jesus. So if you focus your life and you zero your life in on that, you will never be let down. You will never be let down. It will never change. So as for us, the point, which I haven't thought of what to call you guys yet. The pointers is what I think I landed on. You know, call you guys. You guys like that? Dots, that's no good. That's a candy. Pointers, I think. Like, get shirts that say, I'm a pointer and got a hand that does this little thing. What do you think? I think it's cool. I, I might have designed one today in Photoshop. Might have. It looked neat. I liked it. Um, but the part of Gideon's story I left out for us as pointers is 32,000 men volunteered to go take down the Midianites. And God said, no, 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 no. So that's too many. If you do it with 32,000 men, it will look like you did it on your own. So God said, I'll give you 300. Go and take them down with 300 men so then that people will know that it was me and I get the glory. And so we look around here tonight. We're in a season of, of new. We're in a season of, of exciting stuff, guys, really. I mean, we're in a season where we're bringing our identities together, our foundational identities. We're unifying them as the body of Christ, and we're calling it the point. And I'm so excited to start this conversation and this journey with you guys. I mean, it's going to be awesome. But it starts with more. We ask our friends. We ask people who aren't our friends. We ask our enemies. And we get them here. And next week, we're going after prayer and praying for our friends in a series called The Cause. And I'm super excited about it. You should be too. And don't be scared of Thursday nights because I did a little research and some great things happened on Thursday nights in history. Thomas Edison's first light bulb went all the way through the night on a Thursday night. The first blimp that ever went up in the air did on a Thursday, but they celebrated on Thursday night. The first prom ever was on a Saturday night, but they, they Thursday nights are going to be great. <laughs> yeah. So let me pray for you guys. We got a game that we're going to play, a couple games. I'll explain to you how that works after we pray. Father, thank you so much for your word, your scriptures, and for the information that we need, God, to take our lives from a place of disparity and a place of loneliness, God, to a place of fulfillment and life where we know you. God, I pray that these students would recognize their identity. God, that they would evaluate it, that your spirit would convict where it needs to convict. And God, that we would take the steps in obedience to get to a place of foundational 
obedience and identity that says, I submit unto God. I no longer want control. I no longer want to claim that I know who I am better than you do. God, you created us in your image, and you said that you will fulfill it to completion. I pray that you do. Ephesians 3.20, God says that you will do immeasurably more within us, God. Work through us. So I thank you for these students. I pray for their week as they start school back, that you protect them from the enemy. That, God, that the, the world's lies would not protrude their thoughts or their hearts, but they would stand firmly in you. We love you. Amen. Here's what I need. I need the juniors, or seniors, I'm sorry, in that corner. Don't move yet. Seniors in that corner. Juniors in this corner. Sophomores in that corner. And freshmen in this corner. And we're going to explain what you're going to do. you got 30 seconds. Go.